Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. And just like that, the SEC changed. There you go. Nick Saban, not a part of the conference that he helped elevate and to an incredible stratosphere, one of the best coaches of any sport, of any generation, what he did at Alabama, and also, to some extent, LSU was nothing but phenomenal. But he suddenly announces his retirement. So welcome to the program. We've got breakdowns galore, because does this affect Tennessee? Well, absolutely it does. From a recruiting standpoint, we're going to take a look at that. If you haven't been to offthehooksports.com yet, uh, Caleb Giroux has a great breakdown of some guys that maybe are back on Tennessee's radar and also some success that Tennessee had against Alabama, even though they were still led by Nick Saban. So I don't think that Alabama really has ever been, and we'll talk about this more, uh, Caleb, but I don't think they've ever been that recruiting rival that we've seen at other schools uh, like Georgia, but clearly a lot to unpack as Nick Saban surprises the world and announces that he will retire. It's one of those sports moments, and I don't want to compare it to real stuff, um, real life moments, but it's one of those sports moments. You'll probably remember where you were when you saw it forever and ever. Caleb, how are you, sir? I am good, David. Uh, I, was walking my dog when I saw it. So yes, that I texted you because for those who don't know, I had a boomer moment yesterday because I was reading Chris Lowe on Twitter. Chris Lowe first tweeted it and I swore I had to look at the account like five times to be like, I'm not sure I'm not looking at a parody account because you know, you have all these parody accounts on Twitter. Jimmy Hyams is the biggest victim of that. <laughs> and, yeah. And, his, and Chris is for some reason doesn't look like one you would pick right off the top. It, yeah. It, exactly. it almost looks like a parody account. So you said he doesn't that, have the and- blue check and <laughs> Yeah, and we don't know who has the blue check or not anymore. I remember where I was, and we're going to get into how this affects Tennessee and the SEC, but I remember what step I was on in our family home when my um, 
aunt and uncle told me about Paul Bear Bryant passing away shortly after he retired. They were huge Alabama fans. Not sure why, but they were huge Alabama fans. So I remember that. We remember football moments, not as much as real stuff. And you know the real stuff that I'm referring to. But we in the South uh, remember those moments more than anywhere else in the country. Maybe you could argue some Ohio and Michigan areas are are that involved with, with their sports. But it's one of the things that makes uh, the SEC very, very, uh, very special. We're represented by Banks and Jones. Go to banksjones.com. And Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Best realtors you can find. And they're right there in East Tennessee. 40 years of experience, best prices, best service in the business. They're phenomenal. I've known Andy Mason for decades, literally. Go with Andy Mason. Also, I think we have to question, and you did, is there, is there something strange about this, this timing at all? Because you brought up some points in which Nick Saban had made some very strong statements about how he's still in it to coach. Um, he's still fired up. This is clearly not a situation of Jimbo Fisher stumbling out the door. This is a guy who was uh, building for for the foreseeable future. Now, you and I may not like his hires at coordinator, but it, it looked like he had a long-term plan. So I, I was definitely surprised when I heard Nick Saban was retiring. Yeah, so for those who, and I, I touched on this last night when I went live last night. I want to thank everybody for tuning in last night when we did that. For those who who are curious and why I want to bring this up is that you can't just say Nick Saban is, doesn't like NIL and Transfer Portal and things like that. Because Nick Saban, if he didn't like those things, he would have retired in 2021. He wouldn't retire now. He told, and Stephen A. Smith said on First Take about last last week that, and whatever you think of him, I, I don't think he lies when he quotes players. I don't think, I don't think, talking heads lie when they quote what people have told them. And he said that Nick Saban told him personally that the mark of, it was something like the mark of greatness is being able to win in different times as things adapt. And that's the challenge he embraces. Well, if that's the case, he wouldn't bolt from NIL and transfer portal. You know, Nick Saban, Dave, isn't Saban the type that would embrace the challenge of winning with the, in the era of NIL and transfer portal just to prove he could do it. Reluctantly. And I think he has, right. It isn't Jameer Gibbs proof that he brought a guy in? Isn't getting Bryce Young a million dollars before he took his first snap, even though I'm sure that Nick Saban wasn't involved in that very closely. But aren't those all signs that he did adapt? And he may not like it, and he may not want to coach under it, but if he had to, if you said, I'm betting all I have that if Nick Saban gave you three years under this current scenario, he'd have a national championship, Buddy, I'm taking the national championship side. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm taking it too, easily. And he was also, let's not forget last January, Jairo was the one who reported this when he was on our show last year. Nick Saban didn't go home in January last year. He was so mad about not being in the playoff. He spent the whole month of January recruiting. That's, you're not recruiting. You're not, when you're recruiting like that, you're not thinking about the next year. You're thinking, when you're recruiting, you're thinking at least two years down the road. So why would he be thinking two years down the road and then retire within a year? And so I want to bring this up to say this, guys. This is not an Urban Meyer situation where Urban Meyer faked a health issue just so he could run away from the SEC because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to compete with Alabama. And then he faked a health issue to leave Ohio State. It, it's not that situation. Nick Saban's not running from anybody. I think 
it could be a couple of things. And Dave, I wanted to bounce this off you and you give me your thoughts. Um, if it's something personal, we're going to leave that alone because, you know, we don't ever want to get into anything personal with anybody. So, and, and that could be nothing's come out. But if it's from a football perspective, do you think it's possible that after this transfer portal window just closed, Saban looked at the boosters at Alabama and realized they weren't going to pony up the NIL money compared to the other schools? And he realized that he just was going to be at a permanent disadvantage going forward and that it wasn't okay. worth it at 72. On the surface, that sounds crazy. But I was talking to somebody about that. And right now, the channels are pretty easily set up where the money goes to the university. Right now, you assume, just like you assume that's, that's coffee you made this morning because it was in the brown bag and it looked like coffee grounds. So you made coffee. Well, you assume that Nick Saban's going to have a talented roster if you're one of the boosters. So why not, why not give to a building of the scientific arts that can be named after you. That's a little sexier than buying a backup running back. So yes, I think, I think that's the challenge that Alabama is going to have guys is talking to somebody about this yesterday. They are going to have to realize that unless they go out and get what urban Meyer and I don't think they're going to do that. But a guy who's proven can get players in there. There aren't those guys walking around the street. And unless they can get that, they're going to have to change their whole way of thinking. This is, let's remember, guys, a little bit older than me, Caleb, maybe maybe older than older than you. But my age and older, there were times when Alabama was embarrassingly bad. Embarrassingly bad. With secretaries. With women of the night yelling roads roll tide. I mean, if I'm Alabama fan, I mean I'm dead serious. If I'm Alabama fan, I there's no guarantee that it's gonna be Nick Saban 2.0 that walks through the door uh in, in a crimson suit tomorrow. I don't think there's any guarantee at all. And I wouldn't want to back the guy up, be the next guy to Nick Saban. Yeah. Particularly if you know Alabama's not gonna pony up the NIL money. D guys, we reported this last year. Saban, Dave, do you remember Nick Saban two years ago at a booster club saying Texas A&M bought their whole team and Jimbo Fisher getting mad about that? Yes, totally um, remember that. Absolutely. Nick Saban wasn't taking a shot at Jimbo Fisher there. He was taking a shot directly at his boosters. He was saying, hey, boosters, you guys need to pony up money if you're going to if, – if you want us to win more, you need to pony up the money. And he didn't do that. And so I think Nick Saban – has a really, really, really it, college football coaching is a stressful job as it is guys. You have to understand that the work-life balance of college football coaching right now is just not sustainable unless they change the calendar. If you're not, if you're Nick Saban and you're 72 and Alabama's not ponying up the NIL money they need to compete with Georgia and even Tennessee for that matter, because Tennessee is actually lapping Alabama and NIL money too. Why are you going to stay in this? Why would you stay in this? When it's all when you are now coaching behind the eight ball because Alabama, I mean, excuse me, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, all are in better positions infrastructure wise right now when it comes to NIL. It's kind of a big deal, and I got to be honest, I, I think, I think this last transfer portal window opened Saban's eyes. Saban makes business moves. He left Michigan State for LSU because he knew what the potential was at LSU. And Dave, you know the story on that. Um, I got to I got to tell a quick story if I can real quick and I'll get back to your I gave Ron Slay the wrong time. Ron, can you say hello and can we get can we join you uh, can we get with you later? All right, I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> 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 I 
That's my walk. I mean, Nick Saban retires and suddenly Dave's off the rails. He's crazy. Uh, all right. Uh, Ron Slate Ron Slay will join us a little bit later. Uh, we look we look forward to that for Ron. And Josh Ward will join us as he does on a Thursday. Now, let's take a look at this because this is what really matters, right, for Tennessee fans because this will have a huge effect on Tennessee. Whenever you have one of the best coaches of all time that's no longer there, it has a huge effect on your recruiting. For whatever reason, Tennessee and Alabama didn't go head-to-head as often uh, before Saban. If you want to go back and look at the history of that, it was um, Alabama. Didn't Tennessee put Alabama on probation over recruiting head-to-head? <laughs> well, that's true. That, that is true. A- a- Alabama also, um, I think it was a thorn in Philip Fulmer's side because like Louisiana that we've made reference to, there was a, a tremendous amount of loyalty in state within state prospects, but they just don't have as much as Louisiana. Now, the interesting thing is what you may not know is Huntsville is now growing tremendously fast. Birmingham is growing tremendously fast. Uh, there's areas in South Alabama. So as far as an in-state recruiting base, I think we're having a different discussion pre post-Saban than we would have pre or during. Pre, you didn't have a big emphasis in going into the state of Alabama. I've co- I covered recruiting for, goodness knows, 15, 20 years. So you, you didn't have a big emphasis. Now. I think you had the emphasis and you had the opportunity. I don't think you had the opportunity when Nick Saban was there. I think he grew that into something and it would have been fruitless to try to get get in there at the time. At least that's the way I see it. Brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service uh, for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination, ccteyes.com, ccteyes.com. I don't know if you know this, but uh, I think it's the CIA that's putting like a major headquarters in the Huntsville area. Um, That may suddenly be a very fruitful place for Tennessee to recruit and have success in, Caleb, uh, because the Big Bad Wolf's not there anymore. Yeah, and for those who – the way history has worked at Alabama – there was a period after Bear Bryant retired where he Bear Bryant actually built up a stable of high school coaches in Alabama that had the programs running as a factory. But by the time you were covering recruiting, that had fizzled out really massively. And it because Alabama, there was a phrase before Nick Saban that Alabama will never return to prominence until they bury the hat because they could not stop talking about Bear Bryant. Okay. That's an awful, that's an awful way to put it, but it's very good. Go ahead. There was a joke. How many Alabama fans did it take to put on a screw on a light bulb? It only took one, but it took five to sit around and talk about how Bear Bryant would have done it. That's how Alabama was for a long time. It, like everything had to be Bear Bryant, and it it wrecked the program. And it became and you're right, it hurt recruiting. High school football fell off. But now you're right, it's really exploded in the North Alabama. North Alabama produces some of the best coaches in football. And I'm not just talking about Jeremy Pruitt, okay? But <laughs> I'm talking about Bill Clark, guy at UAB, who I think was there for a while, one of the most respected men in football circles. Uh, Hoover, Alabama, was when Pruitt was there, was on MTV, was featured on MTV in the early 2000s. Dave, remember that for their yeah. for their coaching? And so it's a it's a great. They develop talent very well up there. Here's the other part, and here's a very underrated thing. And you saw this with Amari Jefferson, who we're going to talk about in a second. 
Alabama's always had a bit of an inside track into the Chattanooga, Southern Tennessee border. I mean, always. It, you can ask Philip Fulmer. He almost went to Alabama in the 1960s. It was mm-hmm. He really seriously considered Alabama. And David Cutcliffe did go to Alabama. That's true. Cutcliffe did go to Alabama. And, I mean, you know, Tennessee did. I, I don't know if Reggie White was ever entertaining Alabama. The, you may know more about the, that than I do. But when you get those... The southern portion of East Tennessee is not a factory for football talent, but there are special players that come in there every five to ten years, and you got to get them if you're Tennessee. Derek Dooley didn't think you had to get them, but everybody else thinks you have to get them if you're at Tennessee. And Alabama was always a big threat with those guys. You would think Georgia would be a bigger threat to Chattanooga, but Alabama's always been a bigger threat to Chattanooga talent than Georgia has. And I think that that's kind of the big deal is that from a recruiting perspective, not only can Tennessee maybe now get into Alabama, Tennessee can finally close off that southern border. But yeah, but they can. Now, I want to put this in perspective, being a guy that's covered recruiting. So Nick Saban leaving is a monster news story in recruiting in the SEC. There is no question about Huge. it. However, I I do want to clarify, it would not be nearly as big just because of the regions and how they face off as if Kirby Smart retired. I think you would agree with that because I want to take a look at Tennessee versus Alabama recruiting for a second. The Vols had won a battle with Arian Carter. They don't face off against Alabama because of the paths both with this staff and other staffs have not overlapped with Saban's as often. So I don't think it's one where Tennessee can suddenly start to sit back and say, oh, there's three or four more five stars you can add to each and every class. Whereas if Kirby Smart stepped away at this current time, you'd be on the borderline of that. Yes, you're right. That is true. You could start to read Georgia. And they did beat out. Beating Alabama for Arian Carter was probably one of the biggest deals and the biggest signs that Josh Heupel had something special brewing at Tennessee. Also an early sign that Nick Saban realized he was behind the eight ball with NIL. I don't know. But I have a feeling Tennessee had a little more to offer than Alabama did with that bandwidth. And I think that helped a lot. Also, if if Nico Iamaliava is Tennessee's Deshaun Watson, not character-wise, performance-wise, guys. Not I don't think Nico Iamaliava is getting a bunch of massages. Okay. But if he Well, he is, but he's getting the right he ones. Is. He's getting the appropriate ones, yes. Yeah. Uh, if Nico Iamaliava is Deshaun Watson, George McIntyre is Trevor Lawrence. And George McIntyre was down to Tennessee and Alabama. He seems like a lock now, the 2025 quarterback. I mean, it's how, funny you bring shot? him up. Uh, I heard from a source today that's pretty much a done deal, right? And I think that is a done deal. Don't be surprised if you hear something on that in the coming days. Yeah, I, a little I, bit I, of information you don't get anywhere else. Um, okay, so let let's take so, a look at a couple of names. Can we do okay. that for a second? And it's brought to you by The Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Uh, Hemp House chat with two T's dot com. Please use the promo code hooked so that you support our sponsors. And that's why we're here. We greatly appreciate that. A monstrous 2020 24 to come. So hit the like and subscribe button. Turn those notifications on. So the names we want to discuss when it comes to Alabama and Tennessee recruiting one, which is at the bottom of Jaru's column for good reason. It's the Arian Carter. That's that's a win on the trail. So this is a sign 
that you can go in and beat Alabama, especially if they're hampered by not having a Nick Saban. Here's the other thing. This is not just recruiting high school kids, Caleb. This could be recruiting current Alabama players that you had a really good relationship with, that there was a really close battle with, because with the transfer portal, they can be on Knoxville in, I don't know, uh, 14 minutes. Which we should let everybody know, the transfer portal has reopened for Alabama specifically. As of today, Alabama players have Alabama players have 30 days to re-enter the portal, even though the window has closed. And that is because of that is because, That's because of Nick, Nick Saban, Saban retired, which is another reason Nick Saban. It, it seemed like a middle finger retirement because he put Alabama in a really bad position to retire right now. Well, he's <laughs> got. I'm not going to do that. He's got to leave at some point. You I mean, there's yes. not a right time. There's not a right time, is there? I mean, you could do like Coach K, be like, this is my last year, and I'm going to hand the reins over to John Shire after this. Then you destroy recruiting, don't you? Maybe. And look, Saban, to his credit, maybe he didn't want that. He's not some narcissist who wants like a, you know, like a ceremony at every place he goes his last year coaching. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't think there's a right time. I think college football and the NFL are probably the two sports more than any that are just year-round sports. At some point, your school or franchise is going to look at you if you're a successful coach and say, well, how'd you do it then? Yeah, I That's just true. think that, that to some extent you can't win for losing. If you do it in well, June, they're going to be like, now it's hard to hire a guy. And uh, there were all those camps that were on on campus. That it, No, that okay, that's a fair point. That's a good point. Um, so just wanted to touch on the, um, just real quick, the other players, because with the transfer portal opening, the current signing, Amari Jefferson. Amari Jefferson was recruited with Boo Carter out of Chattanooga. Jefferson went to Alabama. Boo went to Tennessee. Amari Jefferson's a four-star wide receiver in the 2024 signing class. There's a very good chance Tennessee flips him within the next um, month. Now, if they don't, not a big deal. He's a receiver. I know what Jimmy and John have told us this week, but I think Tennessee's more loaded at receiver than people realize. So I, that could be the one thing that holds them back. The other two big ones are, these are just players from the state of Tennessee. Justin Jefferson, a four-star linebacker from Memphis, was a Juco kid. And four-star tight end, Ty Lockwood. He was a four-star out of Independence High. So between the two of them, Dave, I guess you go for the linebacker because that's a greater need, right? Of the three, Justin Jefferson, Ty Lockwood, and Amari Jefferson, I think Justin Jefferson's the most desirable one because you need linebacker help like yesterday. I would think so, and I hate to put you on the spot as doing quiz radio, but if a guy's a signee, could he transfer before he showed up on campus in the Jefferson situation, Amari? Yes, because the transfer portal window opened. Okay, so the old rules of that beat Ed Orgeron spending the night on campus, those are all gone. That's a good that was okay. a rule. That was that that used to be a rule. That's why all those guys didn't go to Southern California with him because they had spent. That's the night true because they had already started classes. Alabama. When does Alabama's second semester begin in twenty twenty four? This is a real question now. Um, that, that's. Oh, okay, Saban. Wait, Saban actually was really okay. Saban actually did Alabama a favor. Second classes began yesterday. It's Saban retired yesterday. I wonder if he did something where the kids are at least locked in through class. 
Well, in two minutes, we'll discuss just that. Hang tight. It'll be Josh Ward up next, brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Pools and Spas. And then we'll have Ron Slade come back after I gave him the wrong time. He just popped up on our screen earlier. So that was a nice tease by him. In two minutes, it's Josh Ward with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, Off the Hook Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, I got you. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, BanksJones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. I noticed something that was a little bit of a challenge. And I'm I'm open-minded to all different types of people. But it is beneficial when you get your hair cut by someone that speaks English. <laughs> I'm just saying. Have you noticed it's a little boofy on the top? Caleb, he didn't speak English. And we had to go through an interpreter. But I got a heck of a deal. Josh, what would you say as far as the haircut? Does this look like I got a haircut from somebody that didn't, doesn't speak English at all? Well, Dave, I think you're in a position where you should really just be thankful to have the hair to talk about no matter how the cut went itself. And I don't Damn say right. that in any kind of judgmental mode. I think about that myself. So no, that's uh, right. I think you look great. I think you look great. And when Josh knew me, I was a redhead. And now people go, you're kind of a strawberry blonde. Like, what? I just got used to being a redhead. Hey, uh, I you really you... miss Derek Dooley in Knoxville. He could have helped y'all get a good haircut, right? <laughs> Very true. Or Butch could have saved me some money. Hey, Josh, <laughs> did you did you hear about Nick Saban? Um, the former LSU coach? Yes, the former Miami Dolphin coach. All right, let me ask you this. 
um, right off the bat. And it's brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Pools and Spas. Their showroom is available in Athens. They deliver. They're fantastic. Go to DynastySpas.com. But let me uh, start with this. Which SEC team does Saban's retirement affect the most, help the most, and where does Tennessee fall in that list? Thoughts? My immediate reaction is Tennessee and Auburn, the teams that have championship potential but also have the head-to-head rivalry that they've had to deal with in going up against Nick Saban. Georgia benefits because it's at the top and Bama's the top challenger to Georgia, but Georgia's already in the position it is as the favorite going into next year. That would have been the case with or without Nick Saban. A program like Texas benefits. Everybody can benefit in some way, but I think the teams at the top that have the most advantage to pull from this would be Auburn and Tennessee. I agree. LSU uh, would be in that mix as well as they're trying to get back to that championship level they were a few years ago and have been for so many years. So LSU shouldn't be discounted, but I, again, still begin with Auburn and Tennessee. Yeah. So Josh, uh, I agree with you when it comes to like competing on the field, you're right. LSU, Tennessee, Auburn, um, you brought up Texas. Isn't it clear cut though? Auburn, once you add in the recruiting factor though, because I mean, all of a sudden doesn't, if you're Hugh Freeze and you almost beat Alabama this year and whatever you think about him as a person. And I always say, I think very lowly of him as a person, heck of a ball coach. Doesn't all of a sudden he have an inside track to get a lot of that Alabama talent that has really grown in recruiting over the past 10 years? Maybe so, depending on what Alabama does with its hire, because Alabama still has a general recruiting advantage against Auburn. Auburn knows how to make things happen. That would be the history of the program, and that would be Hugh Freeze's history as well. So if you want to make the case Auburn before Tennessee, I totally understand why. I kind of put them together because I I think that they're very similar as programs in their standing, how the jobs would be viewed in general when we talk about what are the best jobs in the SEC and in college football. And both programs need a little bit of help. I think Georgia has more obvious advantages. Same for LSU and Texas as compared to Tennessee and Auburn. Tennessee and Auburn both have championship potential. They have resources to be able to make it happen, but they both could use a little help. And Alabama being weaker than it's been uh, or weaker than it is capable of being at its best, I think benefits Auburn and Tennessee more than LSU, Texas, Georgia, which probably don't need as much help. So if you want to say Auburn before Tennessee, totally understand why, but I think it's awfully close. Hey, I I may be taking just a little bit of a left turn on red here, but I I want to get your all's thoughts because you're about the same age. You're in your mid to early 30s. How you viewed Alabama as a program, because there are a lot of laughing stock stuff happened that, you know, with prostitutes and um, receptionists and all. I mean, not just one coach, not just one coach in one offseason. It was bizarre. And I'm curious how you guys view the Alabama job. Obviously, Saban has taken it to another level, but how easy it will be for Alabama. Josh, I want to start with you to sit down in front of guy X. That's my guy, whoever that guy is, and land him because I'm Alabama football, but you have to follow a guy named Nick Saban. If 
Following a legend is not easy. We have no. too many examples to count of that being the case. I think what helps Alabama is that the resources, the money, I mean, that's a lot of what we're talking about here, but but the people behind the scenes to help make it happen, to make make whatever you need happen to be successful is going to be there. I think Greg Burns is a good athletic director. His hiring track record is to move swiftly and get his guy. Now, this is a different kind of hire you're trying to make as compared to trying to hire any other sport that includes men's basketball or baseball, which he just had to do. Football is different. I don't need to explain why there either. So I think they have a chance to get a, a great coach. And if, if you're a great coach, you can still look at this Alabama job and say, okay, I can do everything I want to accomplish there. Will I accomplish as much as Nick Saban? Probably not, but nobody will probably accomplish that much. Maybe Kirby, but Dan Lanning as an example. He's a very popular name to talk about right now. He's at a very good program at Oregon. But if you want everything you need to be able to accomplish all you want to, I don't think anybody's going to look at Oregon and say, well, they can match what Alabama can provide. So doesn't mean he will be the guy or that he would take the job, but uh, that that's why I still think Alabama can come out fine in this position. It's a drop-off. It, they, the, the only coach they could hire right now, and I would say there's no drop-off, would be Kirby. And why would he leave Georgia to go to Alabama? So it, there's going to be some kind of drop-off, but Alabama still can, and I would say should be in a better position than almost every program out there. Let me ask you the same question, Caleb. It's brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler. Go to rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. The fire opals are a Tennessee tradition. How do you, being a little bit younger than the, the guy on the other side of the screen, me, view the Alabama job and if they can just call up anybody to re replace a legend? Yeah, so I, I, I've always said Alabama is not – I, there's only what there are only three tier one jobs in the college football that's Georgia, Ohio State, and LSU. And I do the talent base of recruiting relative to the competition you have for that talent. And but Alabama is like a just a slight tier below that with a bunch of other schools. I'm with Josh. I don't think it's that hard to win because look, yes, Alabama had was a laughing stock for a while, but they hired some of the dumbest coaches you could ever like envision on a sideline. And Mike DeVoe still won an SEC championship in 1999. The worst neck-to-stomach ratio I think I've ever seen. Um, but <laughs> okay, Still, let me long neck, wide stomach. Did y'all ever notice that with Mike DeBose? <laughs> he did. He was he was an oddly shaped duck. Josh, the three coaches that are happiest after hearing the Nick Saban sudden news. Well, all of them because of the increased pay that's coming their way. Uh, agents are very happy today. Uh, a lot of that's just Jimmy Sexton, probably, but. Um, the three coaches that are happiest today, um, well, Hugh Freeze, he's on that list. Maybe maybe Josh Heupel. I, I don't know that he's in the top three of that, though. I think Brian Kelly, let's say that he's planning to stick it out, that he really <coughs> wants to be at LSU for the next five years. Uh, then he benefits from this. And then maybe Sark. Sark is entering the league mm. with Texas in a very good position. Sark is on that list of coaches that will get more money. He was going to get more anyway. Just took Texas to the four-team playoff. But Texas is coming into the SEC with recruiting in a very good position. They have what they need at quarterback. If Arch pans out, they have that for the next few years. And now one of the top dogs that he's going to have to try to knock off entering the SEC just lost the guy that's made it happen. So Steve Sarkeesian should be very happy. Nick Saban helped get Sark to Texas and now leaving – 
could help Sark accomplish everything that he wants to with the Longhorns. Very good point. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, to receive some free swag on your cider order. Available most anywhere in the U.S. Don't forget that promo code HAT, tncidercompany.com, right below tncidercompany.com. A little four downs, you guys up for that? Are you fired up? I, Josh, I can see it in your eyes. You're excited about four downs today. Excited is uh, a wild understatement. <laughs> Go Four Downs is now. Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs presented by Off the Hook Sports. All right, we're going to discuss Josh Heupel. A lot of jobs open not just the Alabama job now, but there are quite a few jobs open and you would rather have a coach that people want than uh, have to be looking for a coach that even you end up with a guy like Dooley and you don't even want. Uh, let's uh, jump in the hot tub if you're okay, Josh, with Coop. How's that sound? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Do that. Not sure uh, I have a choice. <laughs> you don't. You're in the hot tub with Coop. All right. What down, Coop? Coop here. First down. Should Alabama call Josh Heupel? I'll start no. with you, Caleb. I'll start with you. Oh, uh, well, Josh said no, but I'm going to say yes. I'm honestly going to say yes. Okay. I mean, uh, let's start with Josh. Josh, why did you say no? I think very highly of Josh Heupel. I think Tennessee is lucky to have Josh Heupel. He's one of the best offensive coaches in the country. He understands what it takes to win it at a high level, having done it at Oklahoma. He helped Tennessee win 11 games. And everything that I said about Alabama, I, I do mean in terms of the resources, what you need to succeed. But there is the aspect of replacing Saban. There is the demand that comes with being the head coach at Alabama. Tennessee can be a crazy place. Alabama is not topped by any school when it comes to the crazy that can come out immediately. And the expectation you walk into and the demand that comes with the recruiting trail, that still is a conversation at Tennessee. It's going to be ongoing at Alabama. So, no, I don't, I don't think Josh Heupel would be a very good fit for what is required to step in and replace Nick Saban. Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're also saying to some extent that Alabama would get told no as well, right? And that would be Yeah, I don't think he would go to Alabama. No, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think it would be worthwhile on either side to broach the subject. Yeah, I think it would be embarrassing from a rival's perspective of having a coach say no. But Caleb says they should give uh, Josh Heupel a, a call. Alabama should. Why? Okay, so I said earlier, y'all heard me. Alabama is a slightly tier two job. Unfortunately for them, they're in a conference with two other tier one jobs in Georgia and LSU. When you win championships, defensive coordinators, when you have defensive-minded coaches win championships – they have to do it with Jimmy's and Joe's. Okay. You're not going to out Jimmy's and Joe's, Georgia. So you need an offensive mind. And the offense, you need the, the offensive coach is the one who overcomes a slight disadvantage on Jimmy's and Joe's. And without Nick Saban, you're not going to out Jimmy's and Joe's, Georgia. And what, who's a better offensive mind than Josh Heupel? I think you bring up a good point to bring in an offensive mind, but I'm with Josh. I think it would be embarrassing to, to be told no. 
uh, by your rival. And I don't think Heupel has any intention of leaving. I think he's he's pretty pleased with where he is and where he has things built from, from people I talk to on and off the record. What down, Coop? Cooper Mays here, second down. All right, veering off topic just a little bit. What about these NFL jobs that are coming open? The ability, uh, Josh Ward, to work with uh, Justin Herbert, one of the most talented quarterbacks that I've seen. I, I'm really high on him, but that's my personal opinion. But there's a lot of NFL jobs. Uh, is that something that Tennessee fans should be worried about year in and year uh, out with Josh Heupel potentially taking an NFL job one day? Someday, maybe. I know that there are the questions about what Josh Heupel does offensively, their wide receiver sets, how that would translate. I would imagine he'd make adjustments to the next level. I think any fan base that has a successful coach, especially a coach that can coach on the offensive side, but it, I, I don't even know if that matters. Like Kirby Smart is somebody that Georgia fans will always have to wonder, could he make that run? I mean, those, those rumors are popping up right now. Because of the era that we're in, in college football with all the changes and all the requirements and the demand of the job and the headaches with the NIL and really more than that, or in addition to it, the transfer portal that just comes with the job. If an NFL team comes calling and it's an intriguing spot, any coach that's having success could say, you know what, why don't I take a look at it? So right now, no, I'd, I'd be floored if Josh Eiffel is leaving this offseason to go be an NFL head coach. But your question is, you're in, you're out. If Josh Heupel has sustained success and becomes a more attractive option to NFL teams, then sure, uh, Tennessee fans should at least keep that in mind that that's a possibility. But I think that applies to any coach that could have success in college. Caleb, one of the things I was told about, about um, and you brought this up before, is Josh Heupel and his willingness to be malleable and changes his game and changes offense after the the Oklahoma um debacle and i think that's one of the things that he's viewed at as an nfl coach is a really smart coach not just a coach with a good offense yeah i think i, I think that would be something to be concerned about going forward one thing that would help josh heibel in the nfl is just don't let him be the gm because i've told you guys i don't believe in him as a talent evaluator that much but i do believe in him as a coach but in, in terms of the nfl you know we talk about you talked about justin herbert I think for NFL quarterbacks, Harbaugh is, Jim Harbaugh is more of a quarterback whisperer than Josh Hyper would be in terms of running, doing what you need to do for a quarterback in the NFL. And we've seen that with Harbaugh. He turned Josh, you're a Raiders fan, so you know he turned Rich Gannon into an MVP one year. Should have gone to seeming there, but different story. But um, I think that Jim Harbaugh is a – that's where I think you'll see more some you know quarterback whispers who run a pro-style offense – but it is a wild – I don't think Bill Belichick's done, guys. I think Bill Belichick is going to accept a hire somewhere else. Pete Carroll may not be done. <laughs> what if Nick Saban decides to try his, his at 72 his leg in the NFL again to prove he could win there? <laughs> I'd be open I'm just with saying. That. Uh, I, I would be open with that. I, I want the best storyline, so I'm open with either of those. Uh, sp speaking of uh, the storyline as, as it pertains to Josh Heupel, two more questions I want to get to. It's brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas on four downs. Uh, man, they'll – They've got the spa covering the chemicals to keep your spa bubbling. They also have the fantastic units that have the military discount, first responders discount, and blemish models that can save you thousands, and they deliver. The showroom is in Athens. Uh, go to uh, Dynasty Pools and Spas. Just Google them, and you'll love it, DynastySpas.com. So what down are we on there, Coop? Keep me straight. Tennessee Center, Cooper Mays here, third down. Josh Heupel is a lifelong college coach josh ward 
I would lean that way. Yes. Um, he's still so young though, and has so much in front of him that I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet a large amount on that because things can always change. So my guess would be yes, but I wouldn't, unless we're talking about coaches that are near the end, I don't know that I would bet on anybody that has a chance to win at a very high level, being a lifelong college coach with the way things are going in college athletics right now. I wouldn't bet on Kirby. I wouldn't bet on many coaches in that regard. That's fair. The workload is ridiculous. Caleb, the reason I think so is he just seems like a culture builder. He seems like he likes to teach kids. I don't know that he seems like an NFL coach, but Josh is right. I mean, the pressures on these guys are just stupid, enormous right now. Yeah, I think with Josh Heupel, though, and with Tennessee's NIL Collective, I actually think there's less stress for the Tennessee job now than there was maybe 10 years ago because I think Josh Heupel, honestly, doesn't have to do as much recruiting. You just go to Spire Sports and say, throw some money at this kid or throw some money at that kid. And I, I think that if you have a large NIL Collective, which Tennessee does, I mean, are we sure that it's not actually a little bit easier? And also, no, you know, there are some Josh does not think it's easier. Why do you not think it's easier, Josh? Because everybody has collectives and everybody has money that is trying to get the players Tennessee wants or needs to compete at a high level. I don't mean that as any kind of knock on Spire Sports, not at all. Tennessee, I think, is is very well positioned, but they're competing with schools that also have money. I don't know that the dollars are equal. Uh, I don't think Tennessee's taking a back seat when it comes to what the Vols can offer, what Spire can offer, whatever. Uh, but if a player can hear this number from Spire and then go to the other school and say, well, here's what I can get. If the player has, if the player is a must get for that school, they're going to say, okay. I mean, I don't think that's what it comes down to in a lot of cases. So I still think it comes back to how well can you recruit the relationships, everything that goes into traditional recruiting in a lot of ways. Spire helps, but it's more about being able to keep up in the race and then can you win it in the end? So I, I think with everything that goes into not only recruiting, but the transfer portal and holding on to players because players that Tennessee has success with, especially in their first year or two, they get calls and messages and whatever contacted by other schools. That's just how it is going in the sport. So that's why I think the headaches apply to every coach, Josh Heupel at Tennessee included. I want to set this as a backdrop and then get both of your takes and fourth down. I don't believe what most coaches have to say. 90% of what they say, I think, is either filler so that we don't talk about what they want us to talk about. Or I think it's a situation where it could just be like Nick Saban did at Miami, which is an outright lie. Uh, so I asked this question, I hope with no naivete, uh, your thoughts. What down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Do you think ten, Do you think Josh Heupel legitimately wants to be a long-term coach at the University of Tennessee? And I think we would all agree that 10 years is long-term in college football coaching or the NFL for that matter. Mm -hmm. I will say this. I it, if he's selling something, I'm sold because I do think he wants to be at Tennessee long term. Uh, Josh, let me start with you. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a trick or a ploy. I think he wants to be at Tennessee long term. Yeah, I believe that uh, very much. 
things can always change because I'm sure that Josh Heupel wanted to be at Oklahoma for a long time when he was DOC and probably at one point had a thought of, okay, maybe I can be the next head coach at my alma mater. And then things didn't work out there. And now his feelings toward Oklahoma are very different. So that can always change. But I think Josh Heupel wants to bring championships to Tennessee. And he wants to be a guy that's here for a long time. And what is a long time? You say 10 years. That sounds good to me. I mean, anything beyond 10 years. Like we were looking at uh, Dave Doran, who's NC State's coach, Tennessee's opponent next year. I was like, oh, man, he's been there 11 years. That just that felt crazy to say. We're talking about the NC State coach. So trying to be at a school for 10 plus years at a major program that has all the pressure that Tennessee does offer. If that happens, that's that's going to be a tremendously successful run. But I think Josh Heupel really wants to do that. What do you think, Caleb? I think that I think he's legit. I think he wants to be at Tennessee uh, for for a long time. Not saying he will be not saying he'll be successful, but I think he wants to be. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think he does want to be at Tennessee for a long time. I think um, I think he swept up a Tennessee culture. I'm with Josh. Um, I look. I stuck my neck out a month ago when I guaranteed everybody Boo Carter wasn't flipping to Colorado. I'm going to guarantee everybody this right now. As long as Bob Stoops has an affiliation with Oklahoma, Josh Heupel will never take that job. Ever. He has no desire to go back. He takes. He's taking that more personally than Michael Jordan took his fuse in the NBA. And so, what about that, y'all, Josh? Y'all, y'all, I know you've got a Michael Jordan picture on the, in the background somewhere. Yeah, uh, well, nobody can really match Jordan with how personal he took things, considering he would lie publicly about what other players had said to him to create his own drive internally as motivation. So we, we can debate the GOAT on the basketball court if you want. I, I'm going to make a case for Jordan there. But when, when it comes to feeling slighted, Nobody touches Michael Jordan in that case. But to Caleb's point, I, I agree. Uh, when Oklahoma – like if it doesn't work out with Brent Venables and he's he's off to a good start based on year two, now we'll see what happens in the SEC. I don't think Josh Heupel has any interest in going to Oklahoma with Bob Stoops being connected to the program, and he's going to be connected to the program for quite a while. Um, okay, guys, I didn't mean to go in this direction, but I'm going to do it for a second. Then we're going to let Josh out of here. Who is the better goat of self-motivation? Was it Nick Saban or was it Michael Jordan? Finding ways to get motivated over rat poison and on all that stuff. Or was it Michael Jordan, who we know was notorious for coming up with stupid ways to get motivated? So Saban would be the guy to write the book to try to show others how to do it. Uh, the process as it is. He's actually he, he's spoken about it. And w- what Saban has said, if you pay attention is something that everybody can learn from. I don't think anybody can learn from MJ's approach. You either have the crazy in you or you don't. And MJ it's, had it. it's the inner self-hatred for whatever yeah. reason I mean, that you the, have. The story that was told during the last dance of him walking off the court <laughs> and telling everybody that an opposing player who was unknown was talking trash to, to Jordan. And nobody could believe it because why would this guy say that and it turns out the reason they couldn't really believe it is because it didn't happen. Jordan just made it up to create his own self-motivation. Uh, I, you know, Jordan, Tom Brady, they're in a, a special class of being able to create things to figure out. Saban's able to create it for others. Saban's process is what it is. He doesn't oh, okay. need help motivating himself ever. But he recognizes 
he's unique and that his players, maybe his coaching staff, whoever works for him, they don't have the same special level of self-drive. So he's able to create ways like putting up on the board, uh, Alabama's overrated. Who said that? The media. Nobody said it. So he just, uh, he just attributed it. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be guilty of libel. So he just put the media. So that could be him. He, He had been on ESPN. So he wrote it, he put it on the wall, but he knew that others needed an extra push. Saban didn't need it, but others did. And he was able to push them that way. That's why he's the ultimate goat when it comes to the process and leading and pushing others. Josh, Josh, I'm actually not letting you out of here yet. Um, Sorry, Dave. I'm taking over for a second because I got to ask. There you go. Who's going to be the next Alabama head coach? Who is, who are they going to hire? Oh gosh. I mean, it's a, it's a total guess. I, if I had to guess, I would guess Dan Lanning. He, he makes the most sense uh, among the candidates for the position he's in, what he knows about what it takes to win at Alabama and what the program needs. So, uh, that's a guess, but that's where I would start the guessing game. I like Kalen DeBoer a lot at Washington. He's obviously coming off a title game appearance, stepping into what that position is, despite all the resources, but the pressure that comes with it. I wonder, is that something he wants? Would he be ready to take on what it is? But as a coach, what he's able to do offensively, how good he could be, I think he would be a good choice. But Dan Lanning would be my first guess. Yeah, but I don't know if Dan Lanning would – I wondered this, and everybody says it, but – would you leave Oregon to follow Saban at this point, given what Nike's going yeah, to? Yeah, that's you? a great question. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that any coach that any coach that is on the top three to five of the list that Alabama has is already in a good position where they would have to say, "Do I want to leave this to take on that?" Um, so I, I would strongly consider it if I'm landing because I would still look at Alabama as a better place to accomplish all that I want to. Being at Oregon, going to the Big Ten is. That's an awkward transition that's about to occur. Transitioning back to Alabama where he's been before and he understands everything that's there and he would be able to get elite talent uh, would be plus all the money he would need and all the resources he would need. It would be very attractive. I would strongly consider it and probably make the move if I'm Dan Lanning. You know, uh, I'm going to let you out of here, but with the talent they have and with the way the transfer portal is, an offensive coach could come in and bring his, his own quarterback and this could be a legit national championship contender no matter who they hire next year to some extent, short of Butch Jones. Yeah, if they if they hire the guy that they want or one of the top two or three obvious candidates to come in, they should be preseason top five or six next season with a chance to win the title. Yep. Good stuff, Josh. We appreciate it. Noon to three on the Sports Animal. Thank you, sir. You got it. Thanks, guys. He is uh, Josh Ward. I don't think they're going to have any trouble – Arena head coach, Caleb. I don't, but I mean, who would be the who would <clears throat> who would be the first person you would call? Josh Heupel, but he wouldn't take it. But <laughs> I'm honest. But okay, if, okay, throwing that aside because y'all don't think that's a good hire. I don't think we should hire Josh Heupel. Um, but no, I I don't I, disagree with that potentially as a hire. I want to be real clear. I think that's an interesting point because it would fit what I believe you would want there, would which would be an offensive coach. I think the next evolution is an offensive coach. Uh, at Alabama, you would you would want that more than the same uh, resume that Nick Saban took to LSU. I would want more of an offensive minded coach as opposed to a defensive minded coach. So you bring up a great point. I just don't think you would want to be told no by a rival. That would be my concern with approaching Josh Heupel. That's true. 
And let me address. Can I can I just address the message board real quick? Because they've been going at me for saying tier two about Alabama real quick. Because uh, y'all think I'm on crack and moving too fast. Maybe some of y'all are just slow and not keeping up with me. Okay. Oh <laughs> and uh, let me just say this: there is a difference between a tier two program and a tier two job. Alabama is a tier one program. Tier one as tier one can get. Program means production. Job means easy. Texas A&M is a tier two, almost tier one job. It's a tier three program at this point because they haven't accomplished much. The Mets in baseball, being the GM of the Mets is a tier one job because they'll throw money at you. But they're like a tier five franchise. Do y'all Can y'all not see the difference between program versus job? Can, can y'all really not process that? <laughs> okay. Uh, your first three calls are two. My first Before three calls are two. I actually like the I, – I, it is Josh Heupel. I'm not even kidding. I'm, I, I, it is Josh Heupel, but he wouldn't take it. My next one is probably to, you know, this is kind of crazy, Dave, but Lane Kiffin. I mean, I, I would I mean, give Lane Kiffin a him. call. Exactly. You're talking about handing it over to Lane Kiffin then. You As a matter of fact, I wouldn't, I, that's my first call. I'm calling Lane Kiffin. I'm literally calling Lane Kiffin. And I'm calling him, and I guarantee you he's going to Alabama, isn't he? Lucky Top Tom said I would absolutely call Harbaugh. There has Harbaugh's to be a not reason. staying in college. Well, the, but there has to be a reason he's so annually unhappy at Michigan when he's building that program and wants he's to go it. to the NFL. I mean, he's unhappy there, coaching college football. I know, but there it's, has to be a reason that he's that unhappy. You think he would like it at Alabama? The things he wouldn't like at Michigan, he wouldn't like at Alabama. I'm calling Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze in the state of Alabama had your kids, had your wife, had your girlfriends. <laughs> I'm calling Ron Slay in two minutes. Uh, stay tuned. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, Off Dog Sports. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. 
Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Let's get him right in here since I gave him the wrong time first, and I'm just a bad person. Ron Slay, how are you, sir? Well, you should have seen me hustling and bustling getting from the airport to make sure I get here on time, Dave, and then you hit me with that. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's cool. I would any any traffic violations. I would have just sent them to off the hook. It's cool. Yeah, there you go. Take care of those. That's that's what we do is we pick up tickets. Um, I tell you, um, Ron. Uh, speaking of uh, picking up tickets and topics and things to talk about, do you think that uh, that uh, I don't know if you heard that Nick Saban retired? <laughs> hey man, yeah. Did, did you hear anything about that? <laughs> that's crazy, man. Like I was actually when the um. The message came across my phone. I was headed into the SEC network. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, dang, this this kind of a big deal, man. Like, but I'm not talking to anybody. You know, I'm not really on so looking on social media at that time. I just got the ESPN alert. So I'm like, okay, we'll walk on in here, see what kind of prep we got got to do. Man, I walked in, people were scrambling left and right, sprinting through the halls. So I, I walked up to the production manager, was like, hey, well. I tell y'all what, man, I totally understand we ain't doing no basketball tonight. <laughs> like just and lo and behold, I did a minute and 45 seconds of live on air. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> <laughs> the check was still the same and everything, so it was cool. But it's just, hey man, that's that was that was ground, that was ground moving right there. That was that was serious. It, yeah, and I wonder is there any coach that during your tenure that got up and and moved um, that you look back on and and you say that kind of shook shook the earth so to speak. Yeah, I can't think of one, man. Not not of that magnitude, man. I, I don't even think like with Bill Belichick's news coming out this morning, that still didn't waver. You know, what I mean the headlines and anywhere near what uh, Coach Saban did, man. That was I honestly can't think of one. Like Coach K's, Coach K's was kind of serious. Um, but it wasn't in my plans. I was for sure after, but I it still didn't do what what Sabins did, man. Actually, uh, yeah, and 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 really out of out of left field too. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. We're gonna talk some hoops though. Actually, Ronnie, yeah. Before we talk hoops, I wanted to uh, stay on uh, do a segment with you on Saban that was kind of interesting. But you kind of made me just think about something, which was comparing Coach K to Saban. I think one thing that that's very similar with them is. Their willingness to adapt in the sport to things that they didn't like, because we know Coach K did not like the one and dones, absolutely mm -hmm. hated it. But mm -hmm. just like Saban hated the, the up tempo offenses. Yeah. But right around the same time period, they both adapted to that and won national championships <laughs> doing yeah. it, which yeah, is kind of they, intriguing. They did. I, th I think you look at it, man, and that's when you talk about champions and, and people that lay um, the foundation for or the blueprint for what it takes to be a champion going all the way back to to westwood and coach wooden and and coming on up to eddie robinson john merritt um coach summit 
um, Coach Coach K, the list goes on and on for people. I think when you can cross over into different sports, I think that's right. That right there is when you really got a blueprint. Because if you go to baseball, you go to any camps or anything, you always see a counselor or a coach or somebody quoting one of these one of these legends. You know what I'm saying? And it don't even necessarily have to be at a basketball camp to hear a quote from a football coach like Bear Bryant or uh, you know, uh, Coach Saban or anyone like that. It's like, wow, these these guys really got it figured out. So to be able to evolve, that's part of it. That's part of the blueprint. That's in their fabric to evolve with the the generation, to evolve with um, the game and how it goes, whatever it takes to win. You know what I'm saying? You, you start to figure out how. Now, this is part of the game that we're getting to now. He's got a couple of them bowing out, but maybe more so because of age than um, – I'm going to be able to put up with just what it means <laughs> to go and recruit a kid now. Um, so I, as, as you know, I've covered college football recruiting <clears throat> way longer than I care to admit. Um, and, and Nick Saban was one of those guys that he got to the point where he could go in your living room and Jalen Hurd's an example who yeah. running back at Tennessee. He told him, he said, I just want to tell you, I think you're a defensive end. <laughs> Her family didn't want to hear that. They cut off Alabama. I would say Nick Saban was probably right. right. Did a guy that ever recruited you come in with, with such a business attitude sounded so difficult. You're like, you know, if I go play for this guy, this ain't going to be easy. I do know that going in. Yeah. I, I think, man, the, the difficult part in it, Dave is I, I never got recruited. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like because I, you I, committed to Tennessee so early. I committed to Tennessee so early, and when I was ready to pull my recruitment back, um, Coach Smith told me, "Man, hold on, wait a minute. Let's let's think about this." And the next day, next two or three days, the whole Tennessee coaching staff was up there at, at Okio. So I never got to open up my my <laughs> my recruiting and take visits or none of that. So I really don't know what I don't know <laughs> in that situation. I was always committed to Tennessee, and um. I think that's some some about me. Like I'm loyal to a fault, so it wasn't no. They could have changed coaches four or five times. I probably still would have stayed at the University of Tennessee because I was I was committed to the university at the time. You know, more so than just the coach. Well, and the last thing you would want would be a recruiter coming in trying to take the hard line, so to speak. And, yeah, and, and and talking and talking you out of that. I'm I'm curious. Put yourself in in those shoes that when you're 17, 18 years old, playing for a legend like like a Nick Saban. When he comes at your door, oh, I thought you were saying Jerry Green for a second. Sorry, <laughs> he he coached under a legend, <laughs> Roy, Roy Williams, William Roy Williams, William. <laughs> but I mean, just put your you're closer to being that young man, and you were put in that position. I wasn't of. A Nick Saban comes to your door. I think you you probably answer the bell, right? Yeah, I mean when you when you look at it, um, when you start talking about goats and coaches that are Hall of Fame coaches, I always refer back to my coach at Oak Hill, Coach Smith, Steve Smith. He's a legendary coach. Um, when you talk about national championships, respected on all levels, whether it be pro, uh, college, the amateur level, because what you what he was doing back then is what they were doing now they were coaching pros and trying to get guys with egos from all different walks of life different ethnicities all to come together and have one common goal and he was able to do that and i know when i first went met with coach smith um and walked in his office 
it, we're in we're in Oak Hill, we're in, in the mouth of Wilson, Virginia. You know, you got the log cabins and things of that nature. I'm in small Turner Gymnasium, which is the size of probably a community center. Um, you walk in his office and immediately start looking around the walls and you see the banners, you see the plaques of uh, uh, the national championships, you see the rings sitting on the desk. So I, I, I understand what it's like to sit in the presence of a coach like a Coach Saban. Um, when you talk about the legendary status and the aura that he gives off and you automatically, I was sitting up like, and just listening at 17 years old, <laughs> wide eyed, like, oh, man, what is he going to say? What does he want? You know? And you, one thing about it, he didn't have to holler. didn't have to scream. Like his legend preceded him. You know what I'm saying? And then you looked on the wall, you see all the all Americans, you're like, whatever they did, they had to listen to him because all of them rave about him. I'm trying to get on that wall. So whatever I got to do, I don't care what it is. He tell me to walk barefooted all the way down to the mailbox and back. It's got to be some kind of, it's got to be something to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm going to do it. So you just, you, you go with those guys, man, and, and you listen. And the people that soak up the game, very rare for somebody to come out of those situations, man, without learning something or um, taking a step towards greatness. Interesting. Ron, let's do a bit of a transition here. Um, I'm sure you watched Tennessee, Mississippi State last night in that game. And yep. I think that if Nick Saban has a wants to do something with his future, I think he should be the director of college basketball referee operations because college <laughs> basketball refs are the worst. Sorry, I I, I don't know if I'm going to get you in trouble for this working for ESPN. College basketball is the worst no. refs in all of sports. And- <laughs> yeah. I, no, I think I think it's I think it's a close tie between them and the NFL, but yeah, go ahead. Yes, uh, the, the real only reason I give NFL refs a break is because Roger Goodell puts so much on them mm-hmm. that it's a harder job. But so last night, Jonas Adu and Toby Awaka both get in foul trouble. Tennessee's playing on the road at Mississippi State, so I would theoretically think this isn't a loss to worry about. However, because it's college basketball. You are inevitably going to run into a game in the tournament, aren't you? Where the refs decide that anytime you f- any any bit of contact is a foul. Yeah. So, didn't last night show that when they do that, Tennessee does Tennessee all of a sudden have concern with front court depth because Adu and Walker got in foul trouble and it became an issue. It's been my concern since the beginning, um, just because of the length and the lack of the lack of strength that they do has. Um, the lack of length that Tobey has. And I think a lot of times they come out, as you see in the games, against Kansas, against Purdue. Um, I actually was okay how Purdue was officiated, especially in the first half. It was the second half they got under my skin. Um, the, the Kansas, Purdue, um, North Carolina, going, to go, going up against these bigs, you have to set the tone. Um, I, I, I've learned watching Rick Bettino, if you use your depth and that's all we talk about with Tennessee, you use your depth, but we, when are we going to see the depth? I think it's, it's one thing to have depth, but it's another thing to use the depth. And then it gets called depth because right now you don't really have no depth. If you playing eight guys, seven, eight guys, especially two guys in the front court, but they, the way they play in the second half of games, if they could come out that way, I think they would be fine. You know what I'm saying? If you play aggressively and defensively like that, instead of trying to play for spots, everybody that comes out attacks you. It's automatic. Tolu Smith did it. He did, did nothing different than 
Hunter Dickerson. He did nothing different than Baycott. He did nothing different than Eddie. Eddie, however you say his name. None of those guys. So that's going to continue to be a problem um, when you walk into – you got a situation where a guy's not as talented going against Georgia in a, um, a Chihuahua, and he could do the same exact thing. He's seven foot, 275 too. Like, what you going to do? Are you going to stand there and let them get the ball? Are you? Are the guards going to take um, the the responsibility to put more ball pressure so you can't throw it in so easy? You got to you got to figure out something, man, where you don't have to make an adjustment every time. Sometimes you have to have them adjust to you, and and I think, man, that's that's going to come from film because you're getting attacked the same way. Is that is it's nothing special. It's nothing. No new pick. That they're, they're sending the pick, rolling down, waiting on the switch, then trying to get it to – no, they're attacking the big. Ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So you got to move your feet, stop playing behind. You got to exert some more energy, get around, make them frustrated. Then use your fouls in that in that way. Use your fouls before they get the ball, not when they get the ball about to go up and score, giving up and ones. That, you might as well let them score. Just get on back down the court. So I think the bigs got to figure it out, um, and they, they got to watch some more film on it, man. Uh, it's it's funny. I always talk about the boom boom room, and it's a joke. But you you <laughs> the, the as crazy as it sounds, the Achilles heel for Tennessee basketball right now is the boom boom room. People attacking inside, so it's got to be fixed. No, and I, I want to ask you about that a bit because you you, you reference the depth, um, but we don't always see it. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a Rick? Barnes thing or is that a flow is he still fine is he still figuring this out into January man Dave that's a good question dude I've been wrecking my brain all the way back I was watching the film all the way back on it and it was good to see Freddie DeLeon get in yesterday um I will say the depth when used has to be effective too like Jordan Gainey you got to make some shots I mean, it's simple. You know what I mean? You're getting looks. You just got to knock it down. You got to continue to shoot, but you got to knock those down. You got to knock down timely shots. Um, You got to trust someone else. I think the guard rotation is fine. Um, But when you start talking about the depth, and I always refer back to our guys, my class, the reason we were were called deep is because we actually played 10 guys. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't a drop-off ever, ever a drop-off. Sometimes the second five should have been starting some of the games. And this is coming from some of the starters saying this. So you got to be able to answer that bill. So I don't I, – I can't figure out is it a lack of trust on Coach Barnes' part or a lack of production when given the opportunity from the guys on the bench. I mean, we're two games in the SEC play. Um, I did think that – that last game in Ole Miss when you were up 30, maybe you should have got some experience for them younger guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of letting guys play 37 minutes, 35 minutes. And it's cool to let them get a rhythm too, but it's, it's something else to, for Freddie to get eight to ten more minutes or um, Mayshack to play a nice bulk of the minutes or get Estrella in there or Cade Phillips or somebody, somebody to get them some experience so when they do get to see the action, it's not a shock. So I, I – I'm torn right now, Dave. I had to see about two or three more games to see exactly what it is. And I wish I could get up and see a practice and really see how they're responding in practice to it. But um, we can't keep hollering depth. And this is one of the deepest teams if it's now going to use the depth. Yeah. I mean, 
you sound a little concerned. Are you are, are, are you concerned they need to fix this up fairly? I am. I'm I'm concerned about the front court. The front court is the front court is what gets me. You're playing two guys. You're playing two guard, two guys. We made a deep run. We played four posts. You know, um, and is is it'll be different if one of those were a a Tolu Smith. You know what I'm saying? Or, or somebody like you can like they're not that. So you need a combined effort of those guys down low, but you can't, you don't need them filing out. And if they do, that's why I continue to say you need one more person in their front court that's going to spark it. And it ain't got to be a lot of, all it has to be eight to 10 minutes. That's it. And it ain't got to be every single game, but games like last night, when you need to buy some minutes and you need to press, maybe he's the head of the press, a guy like Estrella that's long and athletic, making it difficult to get the ball in. Like that was a good change of pace as well. I thought that was, that was a good sign of Coach Barnes right there, being able to press. I don't want to have to do it in an emergency, but if they can come out and do that a little bit more, I think, especially situational, that was really good to see. But I am concerned about the front court, man. I'm concerned about the front court. Yep, I think that's fair. Your State Farm agent in the Chattanooga area, donself.net, donself.net, right below, 423-396-2126, 423-396-2126. Uh, you want that claim to be taken care of. I know everybody's price shopping, but Don Self uh, has been in the insurance uh, business for over 40 years, so check him out, donself.net. Caleb? Yeah, Ron, why is there such a... You know, you talk about it the front court, and it is an issue. Why it, it wasn't it wasn't like there were tiki tack fouls called throughout the game last night. It was just in the front court. And it seems like dating back to even when you played, college officials have trouble officiating the front court more. I mean, I don't want to rehash old wounds, but the mm-hmm. y'all sweet sixteen loss to North Carolina, I felt yep. like they called everything under the basket when you guys were playing with Julius Peppers and Brendan Haywood and CJ Black. Yep. All I think all three of them got in foul trouble. Yep. <laughs> and why are college officials so bad at officiating the post? Man, it's, it's because you, you don't know, especially in today's game, you don't know if they're flopping, are they playing strong? So you're caught in a catch-22 of, should I just let it go? Is it going to get out of hand? Like, I do think it's up to the players to sometimes to communicate with the referees the, the, the right way. I know my senior year, I did a better job of communicating, and I got more calls getting to the line. I saw last night Tolu Smith did the exact same thing um him and i believe it was it might have been a walker might have been tobey or it was one of one of the two but they got tied up and the the ref let it go going back down um i saw when they when they came down to um mississippi state had the ball came down the office they called a foul um it was a timeout they came back out to the floor and tolu smith was at the free throw line about to shoot and he walked up to the ref and him and the ref were conversating about the play before and i, I saw it because he was talking about man he locked me in i was trying to get him off of him you called the file on me what do i need to do but it's those conversations that help you establish uh uh establish a relationship with the ref during that game that makes him say okay well i'm gonna watch this for you you know what i mean because you're open to listening and you're open to changing if i need to stop doing this Tennessee's not doing it, you know what I mean? And they're not an experienced group to be able to go do that because they had their responsibility. Hey, dude's not been that guy. You know what I mean? Tobey's not been that guy. Tolu's been that guy. You know what I mean? He's He's been able to carry that load, so he understands. They've seen me a lot more, and he's more comfortable being in that situation, going to talk to the ref. So that's a part of it, too. Um, that's, that's a huge part. I started going after my sophomore year when they used to bring the officials in to talk to them when they scrimmage and stuff. 
you got to make it a point then to go and talk to the officials too. So you can always remember and have it in the back of your head by the time you get to SEC play. Hey, man, I remember in the offseason, I was talking to Doug Shiles. Doug Shiles was telling me, man, when we was when we was scrimmaging, like this is what they were going to allow in the post. Is that changed or y'all y'all switching up? So that conversation, like you got to play the game. You know what I'm saying? That's a part of it too. So Tolu played that game and he went to the foul line. Actually, I, that's a follow-up I, I wanted to ask, just thinking about it, Tolu and Adu, because I've been very complimentary of Adu the last like month. Yeah. But are, is there a concern that he's got a little bit of, you know where I'm going to go with this, Blake Griffin in him, which is to say that if you cheap shot him under the basket, he wants no part of it and he backs off a little bit? Oh, uh, I, I think it's more so of him wanting to use his length. That's his weapon. Um, so that don't necessarily mean you got to stand your ground in his situations because he's long enough at seven foot and then reach out for you to get position and still be able to block your shot. Um, the problem is you're not going to run up against a lot of Tolu's. Um, so when you say take um, Florida, for instance, when you play against Condon, he's going to play a little different. But when you play against South Carolina, B.J. Mack, he's going to play like Tolu, put you on his hip, not going to be trying to be athletic, so you're going to have to switch up your game. So I'm not going to say he's he's he shies away from it or anything. I just think he goes to what he knows, and that's his length. You know what I mean? Like the opposite for Tobey. Tobey going to sit down and bang and bump and do all of this, and it's like, Tobey, you're too small. He's going to get to a point, and he's just going to shoot over you. You're not going to leap and block his shot. So why not use that strength to do your work before and, and and push them off the block and get position, make it awkward. It's gonna it's a lot of energy. <laughs> like I tell guards all the time, man. Like y'all push, y'all, y'all set the tone 94 feet. But I promise you, you don't want none of this down here because this is a whole different game. And it is a different game. And post gotta understand that. Because you don't you, you gotta think too, how many times have you seen this throughout the season where you're posting up? You guarding guys that's posting up. A lot of guys you just guard in transition, things of that nature. SEC, the ball's slowing down. When you got a big that you got to get involved, the same thing that happened with Auburn, Janai Broom. You see the same thing. They're going to slow the game down for them, give them the ball. The other teams, you ain't going to see that with Arkansas. You ain't going to see that with guys like Missouri. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be able to counter it, man. It's a different game, and you got to be able to adapt to it. So it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how they handle it. Um, film. Film. And I got to say, dog, Mississippi State ain't no bad team. Right. Like people got people got to understand that too. Like they are in my top four. I said it last week on the SEC. We're opening up the season. Like I'm, I'm. If Tolu was able to come back healthy, and you saw he is able to come back healthy, he's a problem. Just like we talk about Tennessee with the depth and the super seniors and all of this, they got the same exact thing. All them guys came back: Cam Matthews, DJ Jeffries, Tolu Smith. Like then they added a guy like Hubbard coming off the bench to pop some pow and then Davis and like, they got a good team. That's an NCAA worthy team that made it last year. And I expect them to do great things this year. So contrast the styles, but you got to learn something from it. You know what I mean? Like it going forward, Georgia, like Georgia, I don't expect this to happen with Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee style to overpower Georgia. It's, it's just what it is. But Mississippi state, the lock in play defense, long athletic and your number five going on the road in the sec we want this you know what i'm saying so all that plays a factor it was it was a perfect storm for him last night ron great stuff as always buddy we'll uh talk to you soon Dad, you get me out of here i'm ready to roll man you just like the sec dog you cut me short too we can go as long as you want i've got nothing to do today 
Ciaran is appearance brought to you by Dynasty Spas. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Y'all take it easy, baby. Ron is the is the man. Um, our five favorite minutes. We like to turn the uh show over to you for a second. And a lot of times I just open it up as far as what would you like to talk about? And uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into that as well. Uh, because I'm gonna direct it a little bit more. What is the one coach on our message board? And I'll ask you the same question. What is the one coach on the message board you don't want to see Nick Saban or Nick Saban replaced with? You don't want to see Alabama hired. Uh, so we'll kind of do it backwards. Uh, what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Who's the coach you absolutely do not want to see Alabama hire? I believe, and he's not going to be a candidate, but I believe that the list begins and ends with one name. Because there is one bona fide national championship coach that you could talk into getting on the sidelines. I know he is not a great person, but Urban Meyer is the one guy that if you're Auburn fan, uh, tomorrow you woke up or you saw the news yesterday that Kiffin was gone and you're Auburn fan and you're like, yay, yay, this is great. And if they hire Urban uh, Urban Meyer tomorrow, Auburn fans like, well, holy bleep. That's exactly going to be the response. Other than that, it's a significant step down. It's a huge step down. It would even be a step down with Meyer. But other than that, it's a monstrous step down. Man, could you the the, the quality <laughs> of character? The quality of character in Alabama, if you had Urban Meyer and Hugh Freeze coaching at the two schools down there, like, and I'm not, you know, I, I look, I, I, character, who cares? It's coaches. They're, I mean, they're all snakes to a certain degree. They're all a little bit shady, but like Urban Meyer at Alabama and Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Oh my gosh. I still, yeah, you don't want that. But Dave, I want to be honest with you though. The only reason I might disagree, I think Urban might have a little bit of trouble recruiting nowadays because Urban has left not just one school on fire. He left two schools on fire and kind of a disgrace to a certain degree. It's not like he was was forced out in disgrace, but he was kind of a disgraced coach when he left Florida and Ohio State because in both instances, he just gave a middle finger to any morals whatsoever with the program. He did not care that he was covering up for a woman beater on a staff at Ohio state. And he did not care that he had the worst discipline possible at Florida. And I, I think if he took, took another college job, I think a lot of parents would, would, you don't think that'd be used against him. You don't think well, that'd be used against lot. him. What's, what's, what's a lot. 10%. He, here's the thing about it. We, we talk about reputation mean a lot in in recruiting. It does mean a lot, but it, it, it also, it's like riding a bike. It's a set of skills. It's it's following up with people. It's it's having good interpersonal communications. So that's not going to going to go away. So if you were to say they they're going to remember what a bad dude he has been at times, and he certainly has, I could offset that by saying you could point at a Tim Tebow, 
who is a great guy, or you could point at a championship to tell a young man that you're going to win championships with me. So I think that could be played either way. But okay, is there? But I ask you this question: Is is there anybody else that would just scare? And I, I'm I'm seriously just throwing this out there. I cannot think of another name that would scare the rest of the college football world. I I said it already. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin would scare the hell out of me if I were anywhere. If Lane Kiffin were at Alabama, I think he'd win yesterday. By the way, we have to address this because we haven't mentioned the name. Dabo Swinney wouldn't scare me, and he's not going to Alabama. And I can those two things I can say straight up front. Alabama wouldn't call him. He wouldn't take the job, and he wouldn't scare me if he went. If I were a if Dabo school. Sweeney takes that job, here's my prediction: It's because a lot of people said no, just like in the Southern California Lane Kiffin marriage. That will be my That's, prediction. If for some reason it gets to Dabo and he's announced as the head coach like next Wednesday, then a lot of people said no in that week. What if? Because here's the one, because he, I don't think he wanted to be fired. I don't think he wanted to leave. What if Pete Carroll took the job? You think Pete Carroll will go back to college? You know, that was another one. Uber motivated. We are talking about guys in their 70s, though. Would, would, would he want to do that? I also thought about that name, and I think the NCAA, if they have any power, would utilize all that they can to keep him out because he was the ultimate of thumbing your nose at the NCAA. I'm going to break your rules, and then I'm going to go off to the NFL, and you can't do anything to me about it, right? And he was – Yes. Is there anybody worse than him? I mean, again, yes, the guy at Auburn who also created massive violations and should have gotten a longer show calls than he got, who is now coaching at Auburn. Well, and, no. That's and true. I'm not talking about Bruce Pearl, by the way. But just to go, but but to have the ability to go to the NFL and not get any sort of penalty whatsoever, that was a bad look because he basically set the (laughs) USC program on fire. Not if you're not if you're Pete Carroll's wife. Yeah, that was a pretty good look. You won a national championship, you built this dynasty, and then you went off to the NFL and you didn't get in any trouble for cheating. That no, that's true. That's (laughs) very very true. By the way, I need to mention something back, circling back to another segment real quick because we asked about schools that benefit the most from Saban retiring. And we we we, we both kind of said, well, what more could Georgia do? They've already got two national titles. I'll tell you what more they could do. If Nick Saban was not at Alabama, Georgia right now would have three national titles in a row and the longest winning streak in college football history because their only two losses the last three years were to Alabama. So they could, Nick Saban retiring, turn Georgia from just being another college football dynasty to being the greatest dynasty of all time over the next five years? Certainly. What's standing in their way? Certainly. And and the reason I'll, because I'm a Cowboys fan, I saw that all fall apart because two dudes couldn't get along. But Kirby Smart loves Georgia because he played there. So that's far less likely to happen. So certainly I think that's a real possibility. I'm not going to throw out, there, there are a lot of things I want to talk about with this Nick Saban uh, retirement. I'm not going to throw out that Georgia could match what Alabama has done. I think that Kirby Smart is on that path. Now, the odds would suggest over time that he's going to get burned out. Most guys don't continue to churn at such a high level like Saban did for 17 years at Alabama. But 
I'm certainly not going to rule it out. Would you brought to you by sports treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures, go to facebook.com, follow them at sports treasures TN for their daily updates in the best sports memorabilia, North Knoxville sports treasures. Would you rule that out that Kirby smart could match Nick Saban's number of championships at at Alabama? I'm not ruling that out. I'm not ruling that out at all. Now, yeah, the question is how driven can you be? I former president once said, well, we're going to win so much, you're going to get sick of winning. I thought that was a funny thing to say, but then I look at sports athletes and I'm thinking, if you win a lot, you can get sick of winning. And Saban always talked about this, Dave. The human nature is to survive, not thrive. So like once you reach a level, you just naturally, instinctually relax and you know take a step back. That's why it's so hard to repeat. Does Kirby smart? We don't know. Maybe he does. It's hard to have that drive to do what Saban did over 17 years. It's really hard to win two and want to go win three and win three and have the same drive to win four. Like, I feel like maybe winning one and having the same drive to win two is possible, but winning two and having the same drive to win a third seems really, really hard to keep that same drive. Honestly. Well, you put yourself in just such another category when you win two. In pretty much any sport, but in particular college football, where you have to get so fortunate, so lucky. I mean, how different I was watching the um, the the pre the pregame show to the national championship the other day and Tennessee wasn't mentioned. Um, They weren't on the video um, that that ran that mentioned just about every other team. If they win one more championship with a better team in ninety nine or upset Miami in two thousand one. Uh, in the Rose Bowl after playing, after beating LSU in the SEC championship game, you remember totally different. Two compared to one puts you in a different category. I, you're right. I agree. We got to make that transition. LSU, Tennessee, Nick Saban, Tennessee. Guys, Nick Saban owes his career to Tennessee. I don't know if you guys know that or not. But Nick Saban has secured three upsets. His career was springboarded off three upsets that – all relate to Tennessee. Two at Tennessee's expense, one that cleared the path for Tennessee to win the national title. If you want to go through them. Uh, yeah, go 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 through them right now. I also want to take a, a look quickly at the uh, the the coaches that have won the most championships. But if, if, if you got that pulled up, go for it. So 1998, guys, Nick Saban was, Dave will probably knows this, Nick Saban was all but fired at Michigan State. He'd had three 500 seasons. The athletic director stood by him, but the fans were restless. And they were four and four. And the only thing that saved his job that year was upsetting number one, Ohio state, which propelled Tennessee to its first number one ranking in 40 years. Tennessee goes and wins the national title. That was just enough to keep Nick Saban around for another year. So Michigan state goes nine and two the next year and is a top 20 program. Saban then goes to LSU 2000 LSU's two and two. They lost to UAB. Dave, you went to Baton Rouge to cover that game. I'm sure you thought this is going to be the easiest blowout win for Tennessee ever. Right. Uh, I thought so. Uh, I thought it was really weird that the uh, Baton Rouge advocate put the UAB waving the flag on the front page on the Saturday after the game, a full seven days after the game. So I thought they were trying to stoke the fire a little bit. Um, And and they did. Um, With the LSU thing, if I may, for a second, I thought that was a terrible hire at the time. Um, I, I didn't think he'd know the culture, which is what we've said about Brian Kelly and, and that sort of thing. And does that really matter in retrospect? I think we've made too much of that. <clears throat> but the other thing that I remember is the story, and I can't remember exactly where I heard it, of uh, 
him him being concerned that he wouldn't like the LSU job until Jimmy Sexton was nice enough to remind me that they turn more NFL players per capita than any other state in the nation. And Nick Saban became a little bit more okay with that toupee. That's exactly what happened. And because what happened and here's, and, and by the way, the Nick Saban after his first year secured the number one recruiting class at LSU because of Louisiana kids. How did he secure it though? After that loss to UAB, he goes and switches quarterbacks from Josh Booty to Rohan Davey. Tennessee and John Chavis were completely blindsided. And Rohan Davey tortures them. They upset Tennessee 38 to 31 in overtime. I there's a very famous clip of fans storming the field and a player and a fan pushes Cedric Wilson as he's running onto the field, just shoves him <laughs> straight up. Um, typical LSU fan. But they yeah, they stormed the field for upsetting Tennessee. That propelled LSU to an eight and four season, which was all Saban needed to get the number one class. What happens the year after that? LSU severe underdogs to Tennessee. They're down. They had already lost to Tennessee earlier in the year. They're down 17 to seven. It's SEC title. Tennessee's number two. They're up 17 to seven on LSU. LSU loses their starting quarterback, Rohan Davey, starting running back, LeBrandon Tofield. All Tennessee has to do is hold this lead against a severe, an inferior West team, and they're going to the national title. And Nick Saban does, and I think you would agree with me, Dave, the greatest end game adjustment in the history of college football coaching in that game with him and Jimbo Fisher to roll Matt Malk out there and say, we're just going to win off the QB draw against the best interior defensive line in college football history in Tennessee that year. With well, that was one of two. The other one um, was when he switched quarterbacks during the national championship game. That still to me blows me away that he, he did that. Not that it worked. Just that he was, <laughs> that was actually, you're right. That was incredible that he did that. I remember thinking it, at the time I was like work or not. This is one of the most amazing things that I've, I've ever seen. I think we need to realize just for a second, what, what college football is losing and how dominant he was. Uh, Nick Saban with seven titles, six at Alabama, one at LSU. That's another thing that we don't factor in a lot. You win them at two different schools. That's that's pretty That's pretty impressive. Um, mm -hmm. uh, really impressive. Bear Bryant with six. They were all at Alabama. Uh, then you get into Ber Bernie Berman at Minnesota. You probably know who he is. I don't. Uh, Woody Hayes at five. And... Uh, you start falling off a little bit till you get to the Frank uh, Leahy's of the world, John McKay's of the world with four, Howard Jones with three, Walter Camp with three, Urban Meyer with three, Tom Osborne with three. We're just talking about a very small list. So if you want to go modern era guys, you're basically talking about Osborne, uh, Meyer, uh, now Smart, obviously, uh, Saban. And that's pretty much it. Modern era. I don't know where you count Woody Hayes I mean, or 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 Bear in that. Well, so the the thing I don't judge coaches on just number of national championships before 1992. And I encourage you guys all to go back and look at my last two videos. It talks about how college football, the era of national champions, evolved. The national championship was mythical before 1992. And you know this, Dave. When you watch Tennessee in the 80s as a fan, you thought about winning the SEC, right? National championship was kind of in the ether. It's like it's like winning like when you're when you win your high school state championship, you don't think about being number one in the nation. You think about winning your state championship in high yeah, school. Yeah, I can remember television going way back. You'd wait for that sports that two and a half minute sports report, and it would lead uh -huh. with the SEC standings, or even if Tennessee was ranked in the AP. Yeah, because that was the big deal yeah. was the SEC, and so it's funny you bring that up. It it it's you know because the polls ranked them. It was such an ether, and for a long time there was just it was just 
kind of out there and it was cool, but yeah. So, you know, Bear Bryant six, like Bear Bryant has a national, two national championships. I don't think he deserves, but he has one. I think he does deserve when he went undefeated. So, okay. Joe Paterno had four undefeated seasons and he's only got two national titles, one of which he wasn't undefeated. So it's always, it's iffy with how you judge these national championships and things like that. However, in the nineties, you're right. It's they, when they started to set the game, I'll go Tom Osborne, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and now Kirby Smart. Um, you can maybe say Bobby Bowden because he got two in 93 and 99. But again, that 93 one was the most BS national title ever because they lost to Notre Dame and somehow got to declare themselves number one. Yeah, the, and I'm uh, just going to be real frank. I pulled up a terrible list. Uh, so they didn't have they didn't have Bobby Bowden on it, and uh, they didn't have Dabo on it. So those are two guys. Um, but I think you would agree that when you go from that one to two, that was the point I was making. You're a different level of coach. Even Dabo, who I think is probably the worst of all the guys that we have mentioned with multiple championships in the modern era, because I think he had a defensive coordinator he could hand things over to with Brent Venables. I'll still give him his props and call him one of the elite coaches because he's got two championship rings of this era. I'm still not going to hate on him just because personally, I don't think he's of the same ilk as a Meyer or a Saban or a smart. I think Dabo is the type of CEO. Here's a great comparison. Dabo is the type of CEO Tennessee thought they were getting with Derek Dooley, which is to say that he may not be the best ball guy. You know what I mean? But I think Dabo is a great CEO of a program in that, in that level. And I I think Buck and I are on, because he's the one commenting about Clemson on message board. I think we're on the same page. He says Dabo is a good coach. I think Dabo is a good coach. I think that Kirby smart and Nick Saban, are elite coaches. And I think Meyer's right there with being elite. I agree, but I think Dabo's an elite CEO. I think Dabo knows how to... I think Dabo, actually, and this is where... um, I'm trying to draw a comparison. This is where he's actually similar to Bobby Bowden. I don't think Bobby Bowden was much of a ball guy, do you? I think he was more of a CEO at Florida State than anything. And He knew offense offense pretty good. I mean, I I I thought his offense was a... I thought his offense was ahead. Of I thought that was time. Mark Rick. Well, I mean, you have to you have to have the willingness to turn that over to somebody. Uh, I think that that gets forgotten sometimes. You need to turn over your uh, promotional ideas to Apex Apparel Group. Go to apexapparelgroup.com or call Tyler at eight six five nine one nine three thousand one eight six five nine one nine three thousand one. Design brand market your way. They handle us at Off the Sports, and they can take care of your your business no matter what type of promotional material you need. So uh, realistic coaches, because I don't think Urban Meyer is the guy that Alabama is going to go after. Uh, I think there's all kinds of reasons why that wouldn't work out. I don't think they're going to go pull away a Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I don't think Lane Kiffin is a realistic one, but if you want that on your realistic list, go for it. But realistically, uh, who do you think is – is on Alabama's short list of three to five. Alabama's short list three to five. I mean, Dan Lanning does seem like the obvious one. And Josh Ward, uh, Josh, yeah, Josh Ward is right. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, I think, would be second. I don't think Kalen DeBoer is that good of a coach. I think Washington just hit lightning in a bottle this year, kind of like Sonny Dykes at TCU last year. I think they were lucky. But I think they're going to be on the list, and I think Tennessee fans should want Kalen DeBoer at Alabama because I think he would fail miserably. 
Well, I don't um, know. I don't know if he's that good or not, but I'll tell you this. If if you're Alabama and you've had the run that you've had under Nick Saban, I don't think it's time to go hiring a coach that had basically a really good one year run with uh, uh, a special quarterback. Yeah, I think you. I, I, that's not the guy. Semi special. I don't think he's that special, but. Yeah. I mean, I, but a great run, that's not. But he hasn't yeah. done enough, in, in my opinion, anywhere close to some of the other names that you could go out there. So one, of course, is Dabo Sweeney. Um, I w- I'm not going to rule out that he up and says yes. I mean, this is his dream job. I feel like that he's been very disrespected lately at Clemson. I mean, I'm not going to rule out that he would that's he a, would up and bounce. That's a good point. So I said he would up and bounce. He would stay because I was saying that Clemson is, is in the ACC. And it's such an easy road in the ACC compared to the SEC. But then I thought about it. Does that matter in a 12-team playoff, Dave? Because like, okay, 12-team playoff, you go like it doesn't really matter how easy the road is anymore, honestly. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking myself into maybe Dabo would go to Alabama. Now, I don't think Alabama. I think Alabama is so like we play defense and running football. They don't want to. They don't want creative offenses at Alabama. I guarantee you, that's how they're thinking. I don't think Dabo Sweeney yeah. wants anything too creative. I think he wants the. He, e- he, I think he's an easiest path guy, don't you? But Dabo likes the spread offense, and he he's his fingerprints are all over the spread offense. I don't think Alabama wants the spread offense there. I think Alabama want you know the Bear Bryant Nick Saban legacy is defense, defense, defense. Even Gene Stallings was a defensive guy. Um, which you know because when Tennessee was better than Alabama in the early 90s but kept losing, they could not figure out that defense at all <laughs> during right. that time period. Uh, these are the names being reported by SI. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, going through several coaching searches, I've written a lot of these lists. So these are not lists right now that th- there could be some guy named, I don't know, Derek Dooley that could be in the search eventually. Uh, these lists, when you put these together, are pure – um, just speculation. That's what they are. Cause I've done them. Okay. But Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, I, I wouldn't want to leave Texas where I built something and I'm kind of the man now. And they gave me an opportunity and I go to Alabama and I'm replacing the man. I wouldn't want to do that at all. I don't think he's even approachable. No, I, I don't think he is either. And as a matter of fact, um, the Vegas has recently set a line and he's on the list, but he's pretty low. And okay, well, give me, give me the, give me the numbers then. Can you share the, share that online? Cause I want to see the odds. The What I have doesn't have odds. Maybe Vegas. I'll have a little bit more insight. Cause I don't want to waste a bunch of time talking about guys that we're not a hundred percent sure about that are even uh, candidates. Uh, Dan Lanning, who we had mentioned, I imagine is on that list. I would predict, although I haven't seen it, that he is number one on the list. Yes, Dan Lanning is number one on the list. Um, I'm trying to pull out uh, the. I'm trying to pull it up um, from a credible site, but it's Dan. I, I saw it on my phone, and I can't pull Fanduel up online um, where I am. I can only pull it up on my phone. But uh, here we go, sportsbetting.ag. Here is the most interesting. If you want me to share them with you, it's actually a pretty intriguing list. And Dave, my guy. The guy you thought was crazy and the guy I thought was crazy are just behind Dan Lanning. I'm just going to point that out because look who's second to Dan Lanning, baby. <laughs> okay. So we got Dan. This is according to what? Uh, sportsbetting.ag. So they're, okay. I don't know. They're, they're pulling, um, 
I forget which site they're pulling. Which nobody from. spreads the head coaching hires like sportsbetting.ag. Um, it's, it's a sports book. It's a book. Okay. But. We got Dan Lanning at, you're testing my eyes, plus 200 if it's on our YouTube page. Yep. Dan Lanning at plus 200. Look at number two. Number two is Lane Kiffin. Plus 400, baby. Get those eyes. Lane Kiffin to Alabama. Let's go. To quote Taylor Swift, let's effing go. <laughs> okay. I will tell you this. Um, Lane Kiffin backed off the Auburn job. So, and I've never figured out why he would have done that. Because Auburn's a really not that good of a job, and nobody wants to live in Auburn. Well, Auburn's a much better job than Ole Miss. I don't think it's significantly better enough to outweigh the um, uh, attractiveness of the girls who are way more attractive at Ole Miss than they are at Auburn. Well, but point being, <laughs> maybe he knew the Alabama job was coming up. Maybe. That's my theory. That would not um, be the first time Lane Kiffin hinted something that, like I told you, 2009, when he said that Alabama's the model for our program, not Florida, and he knew that Florida was about to collapse as a program under Urban Meyer. Yep. So uh, right now, what we're looking at, uh, Dan Lanning, plus 200, so he's in the lead. Uh, Lane Kiffin, plus 400. Dabo Sweeney, plus 500. Uh, you're going to have to help me. I can't see that. Kalen DeBoer, the Washington coach, plus 600. <clears throat> okay. And then who's? Dion. Oh, Dion's Prime Prime, plus, plus 900. 900. You might as well just throw your money away. There's no way they're going to hire Dion. Come on. No way in hell they're hiring Dion. I mean, okay. it's not. It's not. They're hiring Urban Meyer before Dion. Yeah. So Urban Wait, Meyer. Oh, my gosh. Look who else in. is on the list. This. Hmm? Urban Meyer does come into the plus 1,000. He does with Pat Shermer. And Dave, do you see who else is on the list? Two of our favorite coaches. Yeah, a little of this is silliness. Okay, no, now, it's... okay, here's the home. Okay, um, for those that are on the audio platform, let me read the rest of them to you. So, Lanning plus 200, Kiffin plus 400, Sweeney plus 500, Dooley plus 600, Sanders plus 900. No, DeBoer, DeBoer plus 600. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, I've been trouble seeing that. Uh, DeBoer plus 600. Uh, Pat Shermer plus a thousand, Urban Meyer plus a thousand, Billy Napier plus sixteen hundred, Derek Dooley plus sixteen hundred, Mike Norvell plus eighteen hundred. Now, Caleb, you and I may differ a little bit on Mike Norvell, but Mike Norvell is the type of coach that if you're Alabama, you call and that's a home run, solid hire from the get without the sizzle of urban Meyer or being a little bit silly with that hire. Cause you and I both know that's not going to happen. But if you can call Mike Norvell at a program that was competing for a championship and call him and say, leave, come coach this program, then you're one heck of an athletic department. That's their hire. I'm a little less high on Mike Norvell than you are. I'm just going to say that he does have a good offensive mind and I'm going to give him some credit for that, but. And he has I, leverage. If you can call and hire him away, that shows how strong you are as an athletic That is true. But we just talked about Nick Saban, the motivator. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a red flag to me that whatever you think of whether or not Florida state was trying to show up college football, and maybe they were, maybe they were, but it speaks to me that you, basically allowed your players to just quit in the bowl game, to just quit their bowl game and not even show up. And it's, it's one thing if you couldn't get them properly motivated, but they Florida state didn't bother to play that game. And 
doesn't that speak to you as a coach that you couldn't get them at least somewhat motivated to play that game? It may have 20 years ago, not nowadays. I mean, I see where you're going. It just really doesn't affect me as much as it used to. Herald Group Security Solutions, they can make your workplace safer. Also, your children's school safer. We're in private schools right now. I want to get in public schools. We'll get those laws changed. HeraldGRP.com. We're talking about former military personnel that are highly trained do extractions. They can make sure your workplace or children's school is safe, safer. That's HeraldGRP.com, Herald Group Security Solutions. All that being said, who do you ultimately want it to be? You're the guy in charge of college football. Who do you want it to be? Who do you want Alabama to hire to replace the great Nick Saban? Who does Caleb Calhoun want it to be? Well, as the person who I were in college football and I, I approach it this, if I were to run it, I would approach it the same way I approach it as a media person, which is what's best for me and what gives me the most to talk about. So I'm sticking with Lane Kiffin. I want Lane Kiffin in Tuscaloosa. It's not even close, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Papa Jay. We tried. We slayed it today. Yeah, it's not even close. It's Lane Kiffin, everybody. That's who we're on board for. Lane <laughs> to Tuscaloosa. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.